Saturday Night Gaming presents Valos Recap Dawn of the Dark Star and Dark Star Rising Dawn of the Dark Star, Part 2 Heavy Metal stepped onto the telepad and found himself elsewhere. He performed a quick head count and realized that in all of the chaos, Wayfinder Mune was missing. He immediately found Stein and insisted the scientist send him back. However, Dr. Stein had no interest in the lost soldier and ordered several of the installation's automatons to remove these people from his sight. Heavy Metal, the Hurt Squad, and the Sky Station survivors found themselves locked out of Stein's facility. Thick metal doors between them and the teleport pad that could lead them home. Solaris checked their coordinates. They were all the way across Valos, on the unexplored continent of Talusia. There was now an entire ocean between Heavy Metal and his lost companion. Heavy Metal sent their new Draken ally to scout the area while Solaris scanned the Steintech facility looking for a way back inside. The field commander felt the urgency of the task before him. He had to find a way to get these people back to Aloria. Just as Solaris concluded that the Steintech facility was impenetrable, Lothan raced back to the Hurt Squad. He was being followed by three large giants known as the Terrors of Talusia. Their leader was named Bahaltor, and he was called the King of the Wrathful Eye, due to the destructive power that was unleashed when he opened a large third eye in the middle of his forehead. The remaining members of the Hurt Squad and their Draken ally did their best to combat these massive horrors, but Heavy Metal, Solaris, and Lothan were no match for the King of the Giants. Just as it seemed the Hurt Squad would perish in this strange new land, a group of strangers arrived to help them. Warriors from the Order of the Storm. Torin Storm and two of his guardians rushed to help the Hurt Squad. The young man commanded great powers through the use of three mystical items. The Groundbreaker Gauntlet on his left hand increased his strength and allowed him to command the ground beneath them. The righteous right hand was a clawed gauntlet capable of increasing his speed and summoning lightning. The sky glaive was a throwing blade that obeyed the will of its master and could summon mighty winds. His mastery of these items earned Torin the nickname Stormbringer. He combined all three of these amazing powers together and helped the Hurt Squad not only kill the giants, but also to break back into Stein's facility. Once inside, the group found Stein obsessively refitting his body with cybernetic augmentations. Already, half of his face had been altered. With Torn Stormbringer at his side, Heavy Metal forced Stein to activate the telepad. He reluctantly programmed the device to send Hurt Squad and himself to a Steintech facility beneath the capital building of Aloria City. While the Hurt Squad was facing the giant king of Talusia, the Watcher was tracking the last known signal from the Hurt Squad. Flying over the desert on his shining cybernetic wings, he finally found the destroyed Steintech facility on the southern edge of the desert. There was one faint life sign within the facility, and the Watcher dug through the rubble, hoping he wasn't too late. Finally, he was able to free Wayfinder Mune from his tomb of debris, a deep gash darkening his chest with blood. The Watcher lifted his injured ally carefully and turned toward Aloria on the fastest route, directly over the vengeful wild forest.
As they flew over the very heart of the wild, a beacon of emerald light blinded him. The watcher's wings suddenly malfunctioned, and the two men plummeted towards the forest. The wings wrapped around the injured wayfinder, protecting him from branches as they tore through the canopy. Before they could recover from the fall, they were attacked by four sentient tree creatures. The Maruts, as they were called, bound the two in vines and branches and dragged them through the forest. The Maruts stopped beside a beautiful waterfall and dumped the two men in the dirt. The serene peacefulness of this place was an eerie contrast to the angry, vicious forest all around them. A gorgeous woman emerged from the waterfall through a cave beyond and approached Wayfinder Mune. She was perfectly dry and she was powerful and fierce and terrible and beautiful. The wild witch knelt beside Wayfinder and studied his eyes intently. He wanted to look away, but he could not. The witch told Wayfinder that he had a terrible power hidden deep inside him, a power that wasn't supposed to be there. She summoned powerful runic magic to extract the poison from him. He screamed as she pulled the dark shard from the deep wound in his chest. Her eyes darkened further as she held the onyx crystal. Wayfinder Mune fell to the ground, seemingly lifeless. The Watcher reacted instinctively and attacked the Wild Witch, knocking the dark shard from her grasp. As the shard was lost to the angry, twisted foliage on the forest floor, the nearly unconscious Wayfinder felt something calling to him, a voice that summoned him by his true name. Weary and depleted, he pulled himself through the waterfall, deep into the cave beyond. He stumbled toward the voice until he saw before him a great beast. It was Fangar of the Wild Hunt, a giant wolf and the guardian of the emerald shard of the forest. The magnificent creature had been bound by magical tethers, and for the past five centuries his life force had been feeding the Wild Witch, bringing her youth and beauty and great power. Fangar spoke into Wayfinder's mind, reminding him that he was born Eddie Falco. He used to be a resistance fighter for the Riverside Remnants until he was captured and reprogrammed by the evil Dr. Stein. Fangar offered to heal Eddie and to make him whole again if he agreed to become an avatar for the ancient power of the forest. Still reeling from this revelation, Wayfinder Mune Eddie Falco, agreed to Fangar's terms and offered himself freely. The great guardian beast funneled all of his energy and life force into Eddie, leaving behind nothing but skeletal remains within his shackles. Eddie felt himself healing and growing stronger. His cybernetic augmentations were destroyed and fell away from his body, clanking uselessly on the cave floor. He emerged from the cave and walked through the waterfall, a new man clutching a dagger with an emerald shard called the Shadow Fang. This mythic item connected him to all wildlife and allowed him to heal himself and others. As Fangar's body crumbled, the wild witch was disconnected from her power source. Her body immediately began to age and wither away. The Watcher reacted and pierced her with his blade-like wings. The ancient, shriveled creature crawled away, disappearing through the waterfall. As her power faded, the three Maruts began to transform until all that remained of the gnarled tree creatures were three young children. 
Eddie Falco searched for the black shard, but it seemed to be lost to the forest. He could feel no connection to it. The children told the watcher that the shadow men took the shard, so he took to the sky for a bird's eye view. A small elite stealth force was fleeing the wild forest near the walls of Aloria. The watcher grabbed Eddie Falco, and on metal wings they tracked the soldiers to the Capitol building in the middle of Aloria City. The streets around the Capitol were teeming with protesters, holding signs and shouting their dissatisfaction with the corruption of the Alorian Tribunal. As Eddie and the Watcher made their way through the crowds of restless civilians, the Watcher's HUD reacted to a nearby tracking signal. Heavy Metal and Solaris were just ahead. When they arrived at the doors of the main government building of Alorian City, they knew something was very wrong. No soldiers guarded the doors or attempted to quell the crowd outside. As the Watcher and Eddie Falco were joined by Heavy Metal, Solaris, Lothon, Stormbringer, and Stein, a battle raged on the upper levels of the Capitol building. The Hurt Squad's former commander, Arthur Strathmore, had come out of hiding. Determined to learn the truth of his past, the accused traitor and terrorist infiltrated the Capitol and broke into the Commandant's office on the top floor of the Capitol building. From massive windows, the Commandant of Alorian military could see all of Aloria City. Xavier Donny sat calmly behind a large desk studying Strathmore's face as the soldier found out that he was nothing more than one of Stein's mad experiments. He had been created, not born, grown in a cloning chamber and cultivated to be a super-soldier during the Draken War. After Strathmore won the war by forming a truce with the Wild Witch, Xavier had no more need for him. Xavier calmly revealed that he knew Strathmore was the one responsible for freeing Stein's test subjects in the Riverside facility and banding them together to create the rebel group, the Riverside Remnants. The casual mention of Riverside and the reminder of all that he had lost there was the last straw for Strathmore. The super soldier attacked Xavier. He wanted the tyrannical Donnie dead, and he wanted to be the one to kill him. Armed with his battle rifle, Strathmore tracked Xavier through the building down to the lobby. Just as Arthur thought he had Xavier cornered, the ancient Donnie stumbled over the body of the soldier carrying the dark shard. The demigod grinned and claimed the powerful crystal as his own, unleashing its terrible power to save himself. Strathmore cursed and stepped back into the shadows, watching and waiting. From across the lobby, the Hurt Squad watched as Xavier Dani infused himself with the Dark Shard. Powerful, malignant energy coursed through him, devouring his very flesh and transforming him into the Dark Star. A massive amount of energy exploded forth, destroying much of the lobby. As the building above them began to crumble, the Hurt Squad ran into the streets to find cover. The protesting Alorians had become a panicked mob, running in every direction. Through the smoke and debris, the Hurt Squad watched as Dark Star Xavier emerged from the rubble of the Capitol building. The Donnie was completely sheathed in crystalline onyx armor that seemed to absorb all the light, reflecting none of it back. 
A red seven-point star blazed across his breastplate and gold dragons etched across the armor itself. The Dark Star had been reborn. Torin Stormbringer had had enough of this evil stranger. He knew dividing his mythic artifacts would increase their odds of victory. He gave the Skyglaive to the Watcher, granting him command of the winds themselves. To Lothan, the last draken, he imparted the Groundbreaker Gauntlet, increasing his own reptilian strength. Next, Stormbringer motioned to Eddie Falco, who drew forth the Shadowfang Dagger, revealing himself fully as the avatar of Fangar of the Wild Hunt. Stormbringer told each of them to prepare themselves to accept a guardian beast within themselves. Lothan slipped on the Groundbreaker Gauntlet and gave in to the Spirit of the Land, becoming the avatar of Gram, the Stag Beast. The Watcher lifted the Sky Glaive and accepted the Spirit of the Sky, the avatar of Kira, the Raven Beast. Torin Stormbringer, armed with the Righteous Right Hand Gauntlet, opened himself to the Spirit of Justice and became the avatar of Rhaegar, the Tiger Beast. In unison, the four avatars of the Guardian Beast rushed into battle with the Dark Star. As the battle raged between the Dark Star and the Guardian Beasts, the southern wall of the city exploded and the riverside remnants poured through. Strathmore had gotten word to the rebels that both Xavier and Stein were in one location, vulnerable in the chaos and rubble. The remnants knew that this was their best chance to overthrow the tribunal and bring Stein to justice. Their leader, Nemesis, carried with her the mighty blade once held by Strathmore, the Iritus blade. She deployed her fighters and they rushed into the fray. Nemesis herself faced Stein, determined to exact her revenge upon the mad scientist. From the edge of the battle, Solaris calculated the best options for survival and immediately adapted to them. Searching the crowd for any individuals with cybernetic augmentation, Solaris deployed nanobots to infect each of them with the Solaris protocol. Each infected individual began to change, transforming into a Solaris unit. As he infected heavy metal, however, Solaris rewrote the protocol in order to leave his ally with a portion of his own autonomy. The cyborg soldier changed, evolving and improving, but maintaining his own mind. As Heavy Metal experimented with his new augmentations, he approved and began calling himself Soul's Hammer. Solaris informed Soul's Hammer of his plan and the two men set out to fulfill it. The avatars of the Guardian Beasts unleashed a combined attack upon the Dark Star. As the smoke cleared, a cracked and empty shell of armor fell to the street. Xavier had been completely consumed by the Dark Shard and transformed into pure energy. That malicious, chaotic energy reached out for its next host and attached itself to the three young children the Watcher had saved. Everyone watched in shock and horror as the three Dark Star entities flew through the battle unleashing pure chaos. Their childish faces twisted with malicious energy and power. Surrounded by dying Solaris drones, Nemesis faced Dr. Thaddeus Miles Stein. The Iritus blade in her hands seemed to fuel her own rage as the Dark Stars giggled overhead. 
destroying the entire fleet of drones. The drones had provided exactly the distraction Solaris needed to gather the powerful artifacts carried by the four avatars. Solaris sent a massive surge of energy through each of the gems, enhancing their ancient power with raw elemental might. This catastrophic power shot across the field, directly at each of the Dark Stars. As the energy clashed with the possessed entities, a reality-shaking explosion was set loose. In an instant, the battlefield was leveled and everyone was knocked unconscious from sheer power of the blast. The battlefield was silent as Arthur Strathmore walked slowly through the aftermath. He had taken so much time to watch and to plan. He had planted Eddie Falco on the Hurt Squad. He had formed the Riverside Rebellion, and he had gone to Helen back to see his vengeance realized. He walked up to each of the unconscious avatars and claimed the mythic artifacts from them. He paused to study the Stormbringer's face and recognized a younger version of himself. Clearly, he wasn't the only super soldier that Stein had produced. He knelt by the bodies of the surviving Dark Stars and collected the Onyx Shard. Finally, he moved toward Stein and Nemesis to reclaim the Iritus Blade. The powerful energy inside the Claymore flared as it felt his touch, and the blade's hilt molded itself to fit the Dark Shard next to the red one. Settling the Iritus Blade onto his back, Strathmore knelt by Stein's body. Solaris's programming rebooted just in time for him to watch Strathmore drag Stein's unconscious body through the broken wall and into the dense foliage of the wild forest. The battle was over, but the war had only just begun. Six months later, Aloria was still recovering from the devastation of the Dark Star incident. In the aftermath of the incident, Xavier's younger brother, Artavian, took control of the Alorian Tribunal. He attempted to guide the nation toward peaceful coexistence. However, he understood that in order for Aloria to grow past this horror, they must first find out exactly what happened and who to hold responsible for these terrors. He had already deployed one team of time-displaced warriors to track down the Celestial Shards, and now he intended to send the Hurt Squad to track down Stein and Strathmore. It was of the greatest importance to the nation that they sort through this mess in a just manner. The Watcher was given command of the Hurt Squad, and together with Solaris Prime, Soul's Hammer, Lothan, the Last Blood Rage, and Eddie Falco, they ventured into the wild to track down the whereabouts of the former commander and the leading scientific mind of their world. Before they could pick up a trail, however, they were joined by a surprising new individual. A temporal rift appeared before them in the forest, and out from it emerged a synthetic humanoid. He introduced himself as Fortu, a member of the Simtech species collectively known as Fortu. He had traveled to this moment to study this specific event within their timeline, and he wished to join them on their quest. Following the estimated trajectory Solaris calculated, the group discovered an abandoned Steintech facility deep within the wild. Upon entry, they discovered a horrific scene and the deceased body of Dr. Thaddeus Miles Stein. 
As they reviewed the video logs on the computer systems, it was apparent that Strathmore had tortured and then killed the doctor after dragging him there. The logs also revealed a hidden bunker below the ground floor and one life form, a dangerous hybrid of Drakken biology and Simtech cybernetics paced within its own chamber. Eddie Falco used his remaining power as a beast avatar to communicate with this creature and to calm it. He had made a docile pet from a purebred killing machine. The only other information Solaris could recover about Stein's master plans led the Hurt Squad to yet another Steintech facility located underneath Riverside. There, the group discovered three chambers marked Project Soldat. Solaris Prime searched through Stein's lab reports and found that each chamber had been used to produce identical super soldiers. Arthur J. Strathmore and Torin the Stormbringer. The identity of the third clone had been erased from the logs. The Hurt Squad finally began to understand some of Strathmore's motives for revenge. They entered the next room to find a chamber marked Project Huntsman. This is where Eddie Falco had been born. The squad learned that Eddie had been created from preserved DNA from the Huntsman tribes. He was then biologically enhanced and programmed with a naturally calming personality in order to make him the ultimate double agent. The squad moved deeper into the facility until they came to another chamber marked Project Cyber Squad. Case files for this project showed that Stein had captured a group of young humans from a place called Earth Prime, bringing them to Valos on the Lunar Soul Bridge. The maniacal scientists put the humans through a simulation that made them believe they were chosen to come to this place as saviors. Each of the humans were cybernetically enhanced and programmed to believe that they were imbued with powerful crystals that made them colorful armor in connection to a guardian beast and even gave them elemental power. The files explained how Stein had assigned the humans from Project Cyber Squad and the enhanced super soldier clones from Project Soldat and Project Huntsman to a special military squadron under the command of Mech Master Sergeant Arthur Strathmore. The squadron served with honor in the Elorian Draken War until Strathmore struck a truce with the Wild Witch, ending the war. However, after they had outlived their usefulness, the members of the squadron were scheduled for decommission. Angered by Stein's decision and unwilling to see his former squad discarded like garbage, Commander Strathmore worked covertly to establish the Riverside Remnants with a headquarters and resources they needed to undermine the Elorian government. While the members of the Hurt Squad were reeling from these revelations, Lothan the Blood Rage left the others behind and followed a familiar scent. He found a corridor filled with enhanced Draken clones. Upon their release, Blood Rage picked out the strongest among them and proceeded to ruthlessly kill him. The rest of the Draken clone army now imprinted upon Blood Rage as their leader. Seeing the possibility of this being an extreme threat, Eddie Falco tricked the Draken horde into a telepad chamber. He programmed the pad to transport them at random. In the confusion caused by an unexpected horde of Draken, Soul's Hammer discovered they were not alone. 
Detective James McTavish was also searching the facility on a personal quest of vengeance against Stein. He led them to another chamber that still held an entity made of black sludge. Upon releasing the entity, he took form into a dark-haired gentleman wearing a sleek black suit. He introduced himself as Mr. Well and followed the Hurt Squad as they tried another telepad, not willing to give up on the search for Stein. The Hurt Squad and their two circumstantial strays transported to the continent of Tolusia. They ended up in a final Steintech facility built upon the remains of Mount Tichilic. What they found there shook them to their core. Many workers and scientists had been slaughtered without remorse. They continued deep into the facility to find a corridor lined with pods. Each pod held a clone of Julian McTavish or his brother, Alistair. Eddie struggled to maintain his calm as he saw so many clones of Julian McTavish. His mind was still rampant with the memories of Griffin Cobalt Hayes, and he had an intense hatred for Julian that he couldn't control. He ruthlessly slaughtered every single clone of Julian McTavish before it could be activated. At the end of this corridor, a large room that held a device capable of transporting them into the void itself. According to Solaris Prime, the void was a place of deep mystery, the space between realms, the fabric of existence that held reality together. Many dark entities older than time itself lurked within the void. The team steeled their resolve and moved through the final portal, unwilling to give up on the search for the evil Dr. Stein. Once on the other side, they were met by a familiar face. It was Torrin Storm, but he didn't seem to remember them whatsoever. He was outfitted in an advanced Steintech armor and told them that the doctor did not want to be disturbed. Solaris was overcome by Alistair's emotions and attacked Torrin outright. He managed to destroy the armor that Torrin wore, not knowing that it was serving as a power regulator. From then on, the damage that Torrin took in the fight only served to fuel his strength and eventually caused an explosive release of power. Solaris was killed, and Alistair McTavish was only preserved by being adapted into the 4-2 Collective. As Solaris fell in battle, Eddie Falco managed to calm his old friend Torrin. Just as the Hurt Squad thought all was well, an implanted nano-device went off in Torrin's brain. He fell to the ground, completely wiped of mind and memory, a failsafe placed by Dr. Stein. Just then, a familiar voice called out to them. It was the infamous Arthur Strathmore. He was older than they had ever seen him. He explained that he had been lost through time due to one of the powerful celestial shards. He had helped to put down a dark god, but ended up locked in the void itself as a result. He had no idea for how long he had been there, but a few days ago a portal opened, and he watched as Stein entered the void with a brainwashed Torin and what appeared to be a reborn Darkstar. He knew that Stein and Darkstar were just over the next ridge, attempting to funnel more void energy into the Darkstar. Strathmore knew that they must retrieve the stolen celestial shards that the Darkstar possessed. Strathmore secretly formed another plan with Soul's Hammer 
and placed a device on the remains of the Solaris helmet. They executed their plan and actually managed to succeed at stealing back the powerful gems from the Dark Star. Mr. Well had mutated into his sledge state and covered the Dark Star armor as the rest of them fired upon it to weaken its defenses. Mr. Well removed the shards, but instead of returning them to Strathmore, he escaped using the power of the stones. Without the powerful artifacts, Dark Star Xavier Donnie withered away. Dr. Stein activated yet another failsafe plan. Something clicked inside Detective McTavish's mind, activating programming that Stein had installed years earlier. The detective attacked his allies relentlessly. Strathmore nodded to Soul's hammer and then ran down to confront McTavish. He tried to reason with the man, but to no avail. James McTavish pulled his enhanced pistol called the Judge from its holster and blasted Strathmore at point-blank range. Everyone stood in awe as the lifeless form of their former commander fell to the ground. Stein escaped with his life, and Mr. Well escaped with the shards. Strathmore had given Soul's Hammer his final orders. Should this scenario occur, he was to ensure the safety of the Hurt Squad and escape from the void. He grabbed the helmet of the Solaris armor and called to Eddie to help him carry Torin's body back out through the portal. 4-2, Soul's Hammer, and Eddie Falco escaped, leaving behind the guilt-ridden Detective McTavish. The detective continued to walk into the void aimlessly. He was starving and alone. He believed that this was the fate he deserved for having been a pawn of Stein. Suddenly, a portal ripped open next to him, and a strange man on a powerful and advanced motorcycle flew past him. It slowed and circled back around until it stopped just before running him down. A sleek metal helmet concealed the mystery rider's identity, but the uniform he wore was reminiscent of Elorian military gear. The stranger looked at him and told him that he was the Seeker. He had come to find him because he was still needed. Dr. Stein had to pay, and they were going to make that happen. What happened next was a mystery for another realm.